Hey guys, I'm Adam Rappaport, and this is the Bon Appetit Foodcast. All right, this week we've got food director Carla Lolly Music interviewing Tyler Malik. Uh, he is the founder and head ice cream maker at Salt and Straw, uh, the now famous scoop shop uh, that started in Portland, Oregon. Salt and Straw has grown into multiple locations across the West Coast since it opened seven years ago. And there's good reason for it. Carla and Tyler talk about Tower's very different approach to developing flavors and even try some new ones as they chat. And then they try some more and then Carla talks a little bit and then eats even more ice cream. And after that, test kitchen manager Brad Leone is on with Rodney Scott. Rodney's the chef and owner of Rodney Scott's Barbecue in Charleston, South Carolina. For those of you who haven't been on YouTube recently, uh, Brad went down there a couple months back. Uh, to check out Rodney's process for making barbecue. And we shot a pretty great video of the whole thing for Brad's hit series, It's Alive. Um, the video was called Brad Makes Whole Hog Barbecue with Rodney Scott. And so Rodney was in New York a few weeks ago, and he stopped by the studio to catch up with Brad and talk about everything from the wood he uses at his shop to the hogs to the new menu items he's added, uh, the whole deal. All right, let's do this thing. Here is Carla with Tyler Malik. I'm so excited to be here with you, Tyler. Me too. The last time we were together was in Portland. Yeah. And we were doing like a quick little fun chat, live audience. It's fireside. Yeah, fireside, fireside chat. With Odd Fellows. Exactly. So, yeah. And I just remember talking to you and feeling like, uh... Uh, we need to continue this conversation. It was like a 15 minute event, but I knew that I would, I wanted to talk to you more. Yeah, so I'm like, I'm yeah, so yeah, I'm happy this has come around. And I guess there's some news, which I didn't even really realize until I was kind of like reading up on what was going on with Salt and Straw, but a couple new locations, mm-hmm. right? So in addition to Portland, LA opened. Yeah. And we're in San Francisco and Seattle and San Diego. And we're opening in downtown Disney soon as well. Downtown Disney. really mind-blowing. So Disney inside the park. Right outside the park. Like in between all of the... Yeah. So it's going to be so cool because I think like, I don't, you just grow up and you're when you like that's yeah. such a pivotal memory totally. for me growing up so to be able to be a part of that in the kind of the fabric of the United States is cool okay I want to get back to that because Florida as a location with some of the kind oh, of yeah. seasonal or inspired or local um, flavors that you've done like I really do want to talk about that with Florida because it's not the place that comes um, to mind oh yeah oh, are you talking about Disney Florida in or California Disney- <laughs> see I'm such a West Coast boy. <laughs> I'm like, because I always went to the one sure. in Orlando. And you know, we're in Portland, Oregon, not Maine, right? Yeah. I'm just joking. <laughs> oh my God. I'm just All right. You know what? Let's just back up. We need to just. Okay, okay. I know. I think the reason why I'm so like s- scattered and kind of stunned is because there are five pints of ice cream open in front of me that are yeah. approaching kind of like ideal temperature of like a little bit soft around the edge but Mm. still totally frozen but a tiny bit of frost on the on that texture of the pint so anyone who has paid fifty dollars to have pints delivered to them on the east coast (laughs) um is going to be upset or in any part of the country i guess that i'm just sitting here in front of five unreleased flavors and they're so delicious are they these are some of my favorites we've so unlike all the other salt and straw flavors these ones are actually good uh yeah no these ones are like mind-blowingly good oh my god where to start okay Okay. so 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 
you said coming in, like some of these are, are new chef collaborations yeah. or I don't know if they're all chefs or just other. Yeah, we it's kind of cool. We're in five cities now. I'm just um, going to grab a spoon. While, keep talking. It's a compostable spoon as yeah, well. I would as I would expect from. I you could probably eat, eat the spoon. <laughs> but I would expect nothing less from Portland, <laughs> the land of where everything is composted. Yeah. Yeah. It's the first time I ever saw a brown straw. Yeah. You know, it's, in Portland. it's illegal to serve anything not and not compostable items. In They're Seattle, about to ban straws here. Really? Yeah. It's my. It's and my your mind. friend Danny Meyer is like behind it. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, okay. I made five flavors here and it's actually really cool because I think for us, we've done similar quote unquote series or menus like this in the past, but this one in particular, it was one of those things that uh, we're in five cities now, which is just mm. mind blowing. Um, so we had this opportunity to kind of partner with five of our best friends and eat, or, you know, one in each city. Cool. Uh, and we went really deep with the flavors um, in how we created them. We we spent about six months with each of these different chef corroborators. Wow. And corroborators or collaborators? Both. Maybe. Did they corroborate yeah. the final recipe? Yeah, cool. very much. <laughs> like we were like, we've been like, we're still even going back. Like, what do we call it? Like, what's the perfect name for it? So for people who don't know Salt and Straw, which, and for those people, I'm so sorry that you don't know about Salt and Straw, but you got to get in on the action. The flavors are... One, there's a lot of things that people talk about when they talk about salt and straw, but the kind of genesis story for the brand sort of started with this idea of making a bone marrow ice cream, right? Was that one of your like original inspirations? Is that fair to say? Yeah, for sure. And it was... um, Which people don't think, they think like, you know, Reese's peanut butter chopped up Reese's pieces and Oreos and, you know, ice cream being a sweet thing. But I think... I think that one of the kind of defining things about your flavors is how far you push into a savory yeah. place. And so the one that I'm eating right now, which actually you could hear me eating, is um, duck crackling with cherry preserves. And it's, so it's a duck fat ice cream Ooh, base I uh, where it, basically most of the fat is mm. is composed of duck fat. We kind of uh, built a structure in the base and then um, it's really cool. We actually layer the flavors in there really, really nicely. Uh, this is with a partnership we did with Tracy Desjardins. Oh, I love in her. In San Francisco. Yeah. And so I had learned so much from her just about like the different um, nuances and how we want the flavors to release as you get through one scoop of ice cream. So there's a lot of different things going on there. And yeah. every single bite is completely different when yeah, you taste so that through that first, pint. Yeah, so that first bite, like you definitely get the the duck fat, but yeah. in a in a very kind of refined um, way where it's not, it doesn't taste gamey or there's no yeah. kind of like meat meat to it it's really just that that sweet delicious duck fat yeah and then i'm crunching on something which i thought was maybe a uh, duck skin just because it, it says is. duck crackling <laughs> and is. now that it is it's actually <laughs> duck skin so yeah it's really cool because like we worked with her basically we took this technique we couldn't feed the skin and mm. um use the fat and um kind of whisked or you know emulsified that in with a little bit of eggs a little bit of molasses and cream and that's what makes that that base and it's really it's both delicate and aggressive at the yeah. same time like there's some there's this tension in the base of the ice cream and then the skin what was left over we basically candy coated that uh folded that in so and there then, is it has a little caramel vibe to it so it is actually yeah. it's like um it's coated in a car- in a caramel or a burnt yeah, sugar exactly or... and it, it maintains like that, that crunch so to it's it. like a croquant is that the french word is that what oh, they are right i don't know I don't, 
Yeah. You should know. As a, a Chinese major <laughs> in school, so this is a and and a and a good amount of salt too. I would yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. And then as you're digging in, I think there's this like huge hit of like farmy acidity from the um. There's a honey gastrique in there. Mm. That we're using I haven't a local hit honey that, that like, yeah. Let me keep digging. It's super funky, <laughs> and then there should be this ribbon of just this really tart uh, cherry jam. I'm getting a little bit. Of that um, now. This is great. I haven't had lunch. It evolves so quickly. And yeah, this is the perfect lunch ice so cream, I suppose. when you're working with um, with a chef and you've done how, dozens of flavors with chefs or what would yeah, you Yeah, this is kind it? of the fifth year, sixth year that we've done this sort of a style. And um, for me, it's cool because we start from the very get-go, like uh, stepping in and saying like, doing just a massive brainstorming technique of uh-huh. like and it, and before that even we're doing you know a month's worth of research into what the different styles the chef works with what uh foods so when you say styles not styles of ice cream but just their own personal yeah. their culinary style their yeah. their style of their menu their restaurant so when exactly, you're yeah okay i just picked up tokyo pb and j yeah so this is with gabe rucker in okay, portland cool uh, and so, yeah, using this in, as an example. So a brainstorming session with him would be you guys get in a room. The this, the get-go is, like, we'll start and just, like, really hit the ground running and, like, what ingredients he's been working with, mm-hmm. what kind of defines his restaurant, what are the verbs that he uses to define some of his, uh, you know, like, uh, his cooking. Is this sesame? Am I tasting so sesame? So the basic ice cream, this is a cool flavor. And honestly, this has, like, a lot of different inspirations going on. Uh so the base of the ice cream is like a, a roasted rice mm. custard. Mm. Um, and then as you get through it, there's chunks of foyotine that are covered in peanut butter. I love foyotine. But for people who don't know, how what is that? Oh, uh, I almost like to think like foyotine's like um, – like if you could take like a, a sugar cone batter, you know, from and then like s- spread it really, really thin and co- toast that, you know, and get these like little almost like uh, frosted flake kinda, shards. Yeah. Uh, it's so like rich and caramely and it's really a little crunchy. bit like um, this is a bad comparison because it's much better than this. But the middle of a of a Kit Kat, like yeah. those sheets of yeah. kind of very thin wafery. Yeah, yeah, like the but like more the toasted, uber French caramelized, yeah. expensive version of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so yeah, it's cool because like his style has been evolving also because he's he's working he's got this pastry chef Helen Joe who's just like insane and she's been she's got like a lot of these more Japanese influence and so it's cool because he was working on an ice cream actually for a savory dish with where she was taking um, white rice and roasting it really really dark, mm. uh, steeping that in ice cream. And Yum. And making, and he was serving that with, uh, in he was pl- playing with a couple of savory preparations for that when we were just starting this collaboration. And so we jumped off that and leaned into it. We added it. There's a ton of white soy sauce yeah. in there, um, which gives it almost a citrusy quality. Uh, and then as you dig in, you're not only going to get that peanut butter, but we also took strawberries, fresh strawberries, and basically poured a bottle of Japanese whiskey over them and mm. roasted them Great until idea. they start to caramelize really dark. Cool. Uh, so you get this almost like... Uh, this really light, uh, not too not too sweet of a jam, kind of punching through. I love um, the little. It's a little. Um, is that the ground up foyotine? There's like a yeah a texture kind of. I don't want to say gritty because that's not like a positive food word, but it is a little bit of of texture and yeah in the base. There's the foyotine and then there's the rice that mm-hmm. kind of like so we steep it in and pull it out at the last minute. Um, mm. And so you get that really dark roastiness of a of the browned rice. It's terrible. I hate it. Good. Just kidding. 
<laughs> as long as you're eating it. So, no, it's quite amazing. And I would eat more, especially every time you say when you dig in. I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to go further. We um, can go. But then I have like three more. So, so a case like that, okay, so you sit down with, with Gabe Rucker and you're like, Oh, I see you did this and your pastry chef did that. And maybe you've already, he's already had an ice cream on the menu. So mm-hmm. you're tasting that. And how much do you see it as like, um, and I'm really interested in this because from a recipe development standpoint, like it's a, it, you know, a similar process, I think, for for the recipes that we create at Bon Appetit, yeah. that you're, you kind of have an idea and then it can be an on-page idea. It can be somebody else's idea. It can be inspired by something that's going on in the world, like... Um, you know, the Royals getting yeah, married inspired cool. us to do a cake also oh, so I that people that. could make yeah. a cake and watch the wedding. I think the most successful recipes like aren't just replicas. Mm-hmm. So when you're, yeah, are you trying to interpret like their vision of the ice cream or are you, it's, or it's more it's, bringing, you know, how much of these there, there maybe they're made with five different chefs who have five different styles and menus. Like what threads it together? It's like, a journey. Like as as we start um, and going into the the relationship, it's a complete journey on how we create this. So like I would say, what we start with is. Um, two pages worth of research on what different ingredients they've got. And of course I've starred and circled, you know, 10 of them, these maybe combinations or plating styles mm-hmm. or um, techniques that really like blow my mind. Uh, and sometimes I use that. And sometimes as soon as we start talking, I'm like, I'm just going to throw this all away. Cause you never, never know what, how inspired someone's feeling. I think the, the first thing we start with when we work with a really great chef, like these five is that we have to like break that notion of we're not here to, I, I don't want to replicate right. even something that's on your, especially not something on your dessert menu and usually not something on your savory menu. I want to like figure out how can we like, uh, when someone comes into Salt and Straw, how can we make sure that that person has a strong sense of what your food is and right. really gets to taste something that would be uniquely you? So the, between the spice profiles, the amount of even the acidity and salt levels, like how does how do we capture your taste buds and your right. voice and your um t- you know you know all the way down to like how you talk and what the flavored names are going to be Amazing. in one scoop of ice cream. And that's actually the hardest. So it takes the, you know, the reason it takes six months to do this and it's constantly back and forth every week with the partner is that we'll start, honestly, I like to start wide and it's kind of like this shotgun approach of like, we, we, you know, sit down in a room and we talk about and brainstorm all these different techniques and ingredients that they use. And then we end up saying like, okay, let's just try this out and let me make in my kitchen maybe five to 10 different ice creams that are mm-hmm. going to be drastically different and none of them are going to be good, but at least I'll get your direct feedback. Your yeah. feedback. And like, um, sometimes someone so will taste something. So those are in-person tastings or are you like shipping pints back and forth? Yeah. Or yes, both? A little bit of both. Yeah. Cause we're just, we're literally doing it constantly. Um, be sorry, sure to, there should be a lot too. of red yeah, in there. That. Yeah, that's this. I'm stuff. so sorry, everybody who's listening. This is, I'm just going to keep eating so that Tyler can keep talking. But, um, this is roasted beets, humble fog, gelato, apple beet jam, and candied walnuts. Wow. Yeah. Beets have that ability, I think, to go savory and sweet. Like roasted, they can bring wow. out so much of their sweetness, but There's they're so, so earthy. Yeah. And the so, color is insane. This, this is, is like with, a very yeah. beautiful color. This is with uh, Brian Malarkey, mm-hmm. and it's his his style is just like mind blowing. And so with him, for example, you know, super cheesy. We had like this, in a good like, way. Good, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and that the density mm-hmm. of the goat cheese because it's a gelato, it just like it's it's buttery almost. Um, and the 
the jam itself. So we'll take like roasted apples and beets and roast them together with a little bit of uh, champagne vinegar. Mm. And it just blows up. And so this one, for example, we, we made, you know, 10 different ones. One was even like this. It was a seaweed avocado sorbet that we made. Um, we did, you know, obviously a different, a couple different versions of beets. And mm-hmm. uh, we did kind of like a carrot duca. Uh, like there was just this huge list of different uh, quote unquote failures that ultimately you get in. And you, once he's tasting it, you get this like, oh, I love this. I love the spice profile of this one. But I really hated that there was, you know, yeah. so much salt in this one or this and that. And so we start wide and then slowly narrow in. And then as we narrow in, we're still like not even nailing it. But that's when we start nailing on like, or we start like finding, you know, oh, he really likes, you know, these textures and ice creams. Or we want to aim for this uh, combination of um, this contrast of flavors. And then we even narrow it down farther. Like, what is like... Does he is he does he have a salty palate? Right. Does he have like a high acid palate? Right. Uh, and it's slowly like all the way down to finding the perfect ice cream. So when you're doing this, just give us. I I'm really curious. Like it sounds like a Willy Wonka kind of factory. Yeah. And I'm really curious, like what your actual physical space when you say you go you, you when you go to work, like where do you go? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we have the coolest kit. We have two kitchens. I One have the in- coolest kitchen. I oh. have the coolest kitchen. <laughs> no, no, my kitchen's super cool. Okay. Well, you should come into mine. <laughs> okay, you can come well, to mine. Bear in contrast. Uh, I have two kitchens, one in Portland and one in LA. Okay, fine. And I then, only have one. And they're like 10,000 square foot each. Um, and so the one in Portland is where we do most of our R&D. Okay. Whoever comes sure to this, this room jam. next is going to be like, what happened in here? We've got a lot of ice jam. cream on the... It's, it's just a lot of ice cream on our little soundproof carpet thingies. These look, oh. disp- these look <gasps> this recyclable. A jam pocket. It's the best kind of pocket. This one was with Renee Erickson. Mm. Um, we kind of like created our own kind of bastardized version of Raz Al Hanout. Oh my um, God, this, like, so good. Moroccan spice blend. Raz Al um, with pickled rose petal jam. Wow, it's all over my hand. I don't even care. It's like the jam is so bright. It's got this intensity <laughs> to it. I think like she she uses this spice blend a lot, like on lamb things I like love that. that. We started playing with it and found it really really nice and ice cream that kind of cuts through that that creaminess or yeah. the fattiness of ice cream in a really cool way. All right, we have to go back to your one of okay. your amazing kitchens. Which one do we want to go to? Well, if they're you, both ten thousand square feet. My so. Portland kitchen. So my Portland kitchen, we have a room for R and D, and we've got about five people in there <clears throat> working full time on designing recipes. Um, and that means that every recipe that we ever publish has usually gone through, you know, 10 fails. Iterations. Um, which is actually really cool because we're just constantly playing and testing out new techniques and, and new And when you're playing and testing, are you, are you know, how many pints at a time or how big a batch of custard do you mess around with? Yeah, I've got, well, we start um, literally in one pint at a time. You do. And I've got just a little tabletop machine. What um, do you use? I'm curious. This was one of, I asked I asked our staff for questions. One of the questions was, yeah. what do you what do you recommend for like smaller batch? I use two. Um, my favorite one is called the Lalo. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, a, it's a tabletop with an in, a compressor built in. Um, and then I've got another one uh, that's a winter, mm-hmm. and that and the Cuisinart are pretty similar um, co- built-in compressors. Those are fine. The Lalo is like, is like the a dream one. come true. And that's yeah. not, uh, is that like a residential unit? Yeah, you or? can get it. Oh, really? Yeah, it, it's not cheap. Sure. But they're awesome, and they last forever. Cool. Uh, 
And so that's my favorite. It creates like the and textures. And that's a pint at a time. So it's yeah. churning and chilling in the same unit. Like you don't have to pop it in the freezer. Exactly. Got and it. that way, especially if we're working with like warmer ingredients, the base can still be fresh mm -hmm. made and warm uh, and get loaded directly in. So it's kind of one of those cool things that uh, you can't do, especially with the pre-frozen bowls, that, uh, right. which are yeah fine but yeah every time uh, you make a batch you have to re-chill yeah. so is it a little bit like um okay in my mind i'm picturing there's you plus five people so when you go in there is it kind of like what i would imagine the the coders room at facebook is like everybody's got their own like thing going on mm -hmm. and your headphones and your own process and you're like absolutely and you just like go go to work and start playing yeah, around that's exactly it um yeah and you go in and so uh you know, when, when I, I'll go in there, spend a couple hours each day, and um, we go through tastings. We taste where everyone's moving forward on, um, what we need help with, what roadblocks we're hitting. Uh, and then we'll brainstorm, you know, what's the next steps. And it uh, sounds like, you can correct me, but that you also, um, your custard base flux, like changes depending on what the other... Yeah. And you've also done sorbets, but just from the ice cream, it's is it always an egg-based? It depends. I, I like to think, like, I've got eight kind of mainstay bases quote unquote that we try and play off build off of because mm -hmm. um, you know it's fascinating so I'm just writing a cookbook right now and so are. I'm like trying to explain this which is actually really hard to explain but I love this idea when we're making ice cream we try to start with maybe eight different like foundation right. recipes which I, is a lot I yeah, mean that's I a wide like and stocks that... in, a co in a soup you know right. like you're not going to make a different chicken stock each time it just makes it more complicated so having a few different stock recipes um, gives us some room to build off of and then we can be even more creative than we ever were because we have you know we know this is going to freeze up right and have the right right because there's so much texture. science involved mm -hmm. in how it homogenizes how yeah. it churns how icy fat yeah. like how everything is working together yeah and so the bases will fluctuate i'm imagining like more fat or less or mm -hmm. a different uh, amount of sugar yeah depending on the sweetness of the other ingredients that you're bringing in yeah you got it like nailed and sometimes you know we've got a couple coconut based versions for um, vegans yeah and or if we want to lean towards that more um coconut flavor profile or lean into it like um so yeah. Very cool. So you There's, do these, and I guess for every 10 fails face-to-face -face with a chef collaborator, there's probably 10 more that you don't even bring to the table? Or do yeah. you, are oh, there absolutely. things that you're just like, well, cool. Yeah. <laughs> no. Time to get a different job. I'm going to come back tomorrow and start over. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what's the most important thing for us. Uh, you know, our R&D team as a whole, we're constantly trying to push ourselves to to find failures mm -hmm. and um, the more we can test out and, and mess up, the more we can learn, I think. That's such a Danny um, Meyer thing. So <laughs> um, so I wanna talk about this. Um, I guess it's more on the business side, but it's really yeah. interesting to me because you have in different ways kind of, um, there are some Danny Meyer things in Salt and Straw mm -hmm. that maybe go back to like having gone to their hospitality training and conference and um i used to work at shake shack i was the first gm at shake no shack way. so on a very small scale like really we used to come up with um custom like custard 
frozen custard flavors of the day. Yeah. And so, but the base, like we, I didn't have the ability to like change the base. It was, yeah. you know, the base was the base. Like we had not Just a lot of, I didn't machines. have a 10,000. Yeah. yeah. I had a Taylor custard machine, but I didn't have a big R and D kitchen. Yeah. We, we didn't even have a kitchen. Yeah. So, but, um, there are some, I read some things about that you read his book or, and did the training and have, um, when you onboard new people into the company, they're also kind of like going through some mm-hmm. of that um, management training and style. So, um, but so what you said about having fails was something that when I worked there, people said a lot that the 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 road to success is paved with mistakes well handled. Yeah, and just seeing oh, those yeah. as That's like so cool. learning opportunities yeah. of you know sometimes you need to mess up to figure out how to fix it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think and honestly, we we'll use those that fail you know like hopefully we failed 10 times and that's 10 jump you know kicking boards for uh new right. projects altogether right. um i think i arguably like i like to think like one one flavor we just completely just failed on hard with we made like the oh it's gonna sound bad it was like a crab roll neapolitan mm. ice cream sounds really weird mm-hmm. <laughs> but um crab roll like a like a sandwich roll yeah like, we were gonna put it in a sandwich and <laughs> it was for a feast actually i think oh wait uh, it was I gonna might... be for a feast a couple of years ago okay so um, like a crab roll like a fried clam bellies in a hot dog bun we, well it was gonna be like a crab bisque oh well, you know a neapolitan so yeah. like a three layered ice cream and one layer is gonna be crab bisque and then um it was gonna be like a homemade old bay seasoned ice cream amazing and a lemon sorbet but those are all of the things like in i feel like that i've just tasted in all of these sort of (laughs) there's like the saltiness i've been avoiding shellfish for a while though ever (laughs) since that (laughs) but the you know having something salty yeah uh spice like the old bay and there's it seems like it would work right it seems yeah mm, sort of yeah yeah it was not (laughs) good Um, but I did have your Choco Taco when I was oh, in yeah. Portland. That was really cool because that had, did it have corn yeah. ice cream? We made that one specialty for, it was a vegetable event. Yeah. So it was a, right, right, um, right. It was a garam masala uh, cauliflower ice cream. Right. Which um, sounds better than it, uh, or is, tastes better <laughs> it than tastes, it sounds. It sounds terrible. <laughs> it was really delicious. It was, it was really, really good. good. Yeah. And then um, we had like, we took this really cool technique where we like, uh, I worked with one of my friends. He grinds chocolate. He roasts mm-hmm. and grinds chocolate. So instead of chocolate, we put um, uh, freeze dried corn in his chocolate machine. Cool. And he made like corn chocolate. Um, and so that was the like shell, the chocolate right. shell. Choco um, taco. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> was... And you guys also make your, um, your own cones as well. Yeah. So, so getting back to like some of the, some of the things that I think about with the, with, with Danny Meyer and Union Square Hospitality Group and Shake Shack yeah. is the, the like culture of the line yeah. and, and creating a business where it's built in that people are, are signing up to wait like it's mm-hmm. like they know at this point that there's going to be a wait they're going to go anyway and kind of that that process of being on the line is part of the experience yeah and I think um so I'm curious how you manage something as fun and kind of lighthearted as going out for ice cream with not only like these very forward and pushing the envelope in a in a good way flavors but mm-hmm. also taking the idea of of just going out for ice cream and turning it into you might wait online for an hour and how do you manage that the expectation with the with 
with what you deliver. Yeah, I think I I mean for us what we always dream of is um we want that that experience in the line to be the experience of salt and straw. Mm-hmm. And so when you start the line that's when your experience starts. Right. Um and uh, we work really, really hard to find ways to interact with people throughout that entire process. Right. Uh, so what you'll see is, honestly, we have a we have like someone starting when you, as soon as you walk in, someone is meeting you and saying, "Here's the line. Here's where you're, uh, what's available to you. If you want to sk- skip the line, you can grab a pint. Got it. Um, or right over here." Uh, and or you could just stand outside and smell the delicious right. smell. That was soak it in and your uh, yeah. Before I had ever been there, I remember walking by one year when I was at feast, and I was like, oh, I smelled it before I saw it. You yeah. know, and I feel like Shake Shack is kind of like that too, yeah, because you like, could actually oh, smell like beef fat just flying yum. through the park air. <laughs> yeah. um, some people didn't like that. They're like, I came to a park, not like a suet factory, but you know, you gotta like and just get with it. And uh, so I remember standing there and being like. Wow, this line is incredible. These people yeah. look extremely happy, whatever they're waiting for. And then kind of walked a little bit further down the block and realized like, oh, yeah, this is this place I've heard about. And the smell of the cone, yeah. that vanilla smell is so s- sensory and so nostalgic and also just like a really powerful. It's like when you go to the hotels in Vegas and they're sending out that like right. fragrant <laughs> Which we missed. don't do, but I always thought we should do more or something. We should figure out how to like pump it out. To. I think, yeah, and it and begs for like, because we set up this space where people can feel safe and they can learn, you know, they feel like they're going on a journey or a staycation or they're, you know, uh, learning about the food that's around them. Um, it creates this environment where you're, you're like putting down your phone and having this full face like conversation with the people behind you or in front of you. And it means every day someone is buying ice cream for the person behind them. Uh, we've had job offers and marriage proposals Amazing. and like you know you name it it's happened in these lines and so, so the person who's coming out on the line is orienting you and like welcoming you and kind of like setting the tone and then are, is anything else happening <clears throat> I mean our team is walking our team walks the line and that's what when you are greeted by our team member I like to think of it like a, it's almost like a wine tasting mm-hmm. um, and that's what makes our ice cream experience so different from anyone else and what's it's what makes my job so fun and being able to create these unique flavors is that someone comes in and they have this expectation to taste something they've never tasted before right and our team has this expectation of like i'm going to take you on a journey and this could take anywhere from uh one minute to one hour depending on how you know they're going to read their sign and so you'd like like dole out like duck Cracklin candy while people are waiting. Well, really? yeah, scoops this little scoops of the ice cream. Oh, really? Cream and, um, I was joking, but you actually do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'll get a sample <laughs> of the ice cream, and you can sample. You know, ideally, we sample all of them. We call it going around the world, and you get to learn about each of these foods, and you can spend like uh, a long time learning about this. And we designed the space to be for that for you to be able to like literally uh soak up this attention from our service because it is a lot it's a lot to absorb so then also the the benefit i guess from a um management or just a operating standpoint is that when people get up to the front they they have thought about what they're going to get and it's their time got it and you have like this this you know encapsulated like moment with someone yeah i think it means that when you go in you're gonna see there's a lot of people back there we staff it with 20 people whereas any other ice cream shop has three yeah yeah totally um so it's it's a unique experience that we've designed and okay so you have i guess also managing that that's a that potential disappointment of maybe the flavor you wanted isn't available or 
how often do the collaborative um, flavors, how long do they last on yeah. the menu? And, and they're only in some stores and not others. And yeah. when, so that's one question I have is like, how do you know where to roll them out and how long do they last for? Yeah. So answer that and then I'll ask my other okay. question. <laughs> Every four weeks we change the menu. Wow. And it's a hard start and a hard stop. Each city is completely different. Um, based off of what partners we're working with, which is cool because I, I yeah. think it's um, it's ethereal, right? right? It's just just like ice cream melts, you know, our menu comes and goes. And we almost treat it like um, almost like a movie showing or like a, you know, monthly magazine. Yep. Uh, I love like Edible Portland or Edible Los Angeles, you know, like these, right. uh, these publications that are just here for a moment and yeah. just capturing this season one season in your community and it's going to be completely different in every single city so it's like kind of like a concert like it's going to be in town yeah and if you miss it it's gone yeah exactly and so you know we treat everything all the way down to the you know the hand-drawn chalkboard menus mm-hmm. are written like a concert marquee um and so it's, it's now playing yeah exactly yeah. and we love it um so of course like you come in and it means that there's going to be, you know, maybe you're there for the last day of a menu or there for the first day of the next menu, and it's going to be very different from when it was. Um, but overall, I think when you get this experience and when you build that, like, excitement mm-hmm. and that ever-changing uh, menu, it creates this Yeah, this and a sense of urgency and a reason to go back and try something yeah. different. Um, and then how often or does it ever happen that a, collab- a collaborative flavor is so successful or maybe you just fall head over heels for it and mm-hmm. can't bear to have it say goodbye. Like when you have a roster of like the 10 classics that never change. So yeah. does it ever happen that a limited flavor gets to like graduate to be a, a lifer? Oh, that's, that's a good Has question. Has that ever happened? It's funny. We're working on one, one of the, the quote unquote fails from our partnership with Tracy Desjardins yeah. actually was like, we when we made it we tasted it with her and we're like this is one of the best ice creams we've ever made no way but it doesn't quite fit with the rest of the menu can we use this other one and put this one in our classic menu so cool. that's one so of the it's ones. like a tracy desjardins inspired yeah permanent flavor yeah and, and it hasn't it, made it to the com- it, it we haven't even announced it yet but it's well you have now well there you go <laughs> <laughs> um so it's like this uh well, it's um, made with Mount Tam cheese from mm. Cowgirl Creamery. Awesome. And then, that cheese is so good. It's like a yeah. triple creme, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Sheepy? Goaty? Uh, pretty goaty. Yeah. Um, and then it's we took like bread from Acme Bread. They're in the ferry building. Yeah. And we diced it up almost croutons and candy coated them. And so they're like these crunchy, like candied bits that are just like insane, insane. and have this and then then they're crunch. but they're also sourdough so they have like that, yeah that funk and the sourness like this adds like this it bounces off the goat cheese really mm-hmm. nicely or they kind of like marry together and then there's a plum jam that cuts through it that's wow like, um yeah and that's in like a custard base uh or yeah yeah with yeah. the cheese so mm. yeah a plum and um apricot jam bananas so no duck no bananas but it's delicious <laughs> Or is that a saying? Um, yeah, like that's I'm bananas. <laughs> um, uh, like Chunky Monkey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, just thinking about these ice cream flavors a little bit like, I think people think of ice cream as sweet, right? Mm-hmm. Or sweet and maybe salty. Like maybe you're putting some 
salted peanuts on top, but it's a sweet experience. Or maybe there's like like the Reese's Mm -hmm. cups or whatever, giving it a little bit of salt. But what you're describing is like all of the flavors that our palates are designed to pick up on. So the Mm -hmm. salt, sour, um, salty, bitter, umami. Right. Like in that funkiness, getting into that, all of those flavors are kind of represented in in one pint yeah and it makes you want whereas a sweet ice cream you kind of like taste it you taste this more and then it's like i get it and it's kind of it's there yeah but even the way that you're folding in the texture so there's like you're digging around and that bite's gonna taste totally different because i got more of the rose petal jam and yeah i love to think about like the cadence of the way the flavors kind of come to you as you're eating the ice cream and it's cool like it means that one scoop should evolve and it should taste completely different from right. when you start. And it's it's actually fascinating. I think a lot of our team is still falling in love with flavors that we came out with five years ago because, they, you know, they're finally tasting this one thing. And um, we've got a, um, a goat cheese and black olive brittle ice cream mm. that I remember I was talking to one of our team members. She's like, I, oh, my gosh, I just finally taste, I finally get it. Yeah. And it's like, it just blew my mind all of a sudden after five years. Yeah, I wrote down just sort of browsing through some of the flavors that were on offer right now on the website through all the locations. So many, um, <laughs> oh, there were just hopefully. so many savory flavors that I think are really interesting. Obviously, the bone marrow we talked about and yeah. foie gras being another kind of legendary flavor. I think people love to talk about um, when they talk about salt and straw, but fish sauce, pork belly pickle brine fermented carrot blue cheese we had some of that baked potato (laughs) olive oil balsamic and the black olive also was there which you know i just what like if so if i'm someone at home who loves ice cream is doesn't have trips planned to Mm -hmm. disneyland san francisco san diego seattle portland la (laughs) but ice creams are being your ice cream is being scooped here in NYC now. Yeah. At Daily Provisions. At Daily Provisions. I mean, Provisions. I read that. It's like and We've got pints public... at the Meadow, too. Oh, at the Meadow. Um, which cool. is, you know, Mark Bitterman's salt shop. Yeah. And then Untitled as well. Oh, okay. Um, so we've got like a little bit of love out here. And that was a little before you opened, and I don't want to start rumors or anything, but before you opened in LA, it sounded like also there was some yeah. ice creams became available like at jones on third or places where people would maybe start Uh, to talk about the ice cream yeah i think for us i mean we we have these partnerships here in the city that we're just like in love with and obviously being able to work with danny meyer and when someone from his restaurant group calls and they're like can we serve your ice cream we'll do anything to make that work because we're like it's family totally um and the same with mark bitterman we he was my first collaborator in my life really on our salted caramel ice cream yeah um and so uh it it's made sense to work with them yeah so then people i'm just yeah just you know i guess if you had to say the chances of would there be a salt and straw in New York City, for example? I'm asking selfishly yeah. now for myself. One day. We would love to. <laughs> like, we, our dream, it's our dream. At the same time, we're trying to figure out still, like, we're West Coast. Yeah. We, I'm like, I grew up in Seattle. Right. You know, like, it's a, uh, this is still a long way. So you ways. can just zip, you can like <laughs> zip, you can zip up and down the coast, yeah. basically, and visit all your stores mm-hmm. and check in on all your people. Which is nice. And now we have, um, we have, 450 team members that's amazing which is 
mind-blowing and so we're growing and we're seeing like uh and it's cool because you know we started a partnership with danny meyer about a year and a half ago and he's helped us figure out how to grow and continue while also like making sure that we foster like this the care for our team members and right. the, our, the care for our culture that has been why we you know when we were just five people or right. it was just kim and i pushing a push cart in portland i know that's another similarity to the shake shack which I, also started like, as a hot dog cart yeah and I used to walk by Union, um, used to walk by Madison Square Park, and yeah. I would just go because I was really interested in it from having a restaurant background. Like, what are these people waiting for? And like, it's just not a thing that you yeah. see that much in New York City. Like, people, you know, it's they're far and few between. When yeah. people get online, they're making a decision to to do that, and mm-hmm. there there's this there's this payoff involved. Right. You know, so there's nothing worse than waiting a really long time and then being disappointed that you're out of, you know, salted caramel ribbons. Right. Like people would freak out. Yeah. Do you ever run out? We never run out. Never. And that's like a tenant of the company, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. And the, especially those classics. Um, we yeah. work really, really hard around the clock in their kitchens. Can't run out. Yeah. But you could have probably grown a lot <laughs> faster than you have. But that's all. This is all intentional. Yeah, I mean, we want to build that foundation. And we, you know, the past year, we've spent a lot of time and energy. We've been building, you know, a manager training program and some of the internal stuff that you need to be able to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know that we can't ex- overextend ourselves without um, really fostering that internal side of the company. Right. And so, did you grow up loving ice cream, or is this really just a way of loving and expressing flavors? Uh, that's a great question. I would say both for sure. And it, it's funny cause like I, myself included, we get a lot of people that come into the company or, um, come into the shop and, uh, and they say, I don't even like ice cream, you know, like this is not, but I love the stories behind this. I mm-hmm. love, you know, some of these are so much more than just ice cream and, uh, you get different textures and different flavors and, uh, it's, it's a journey through one spoonful. And I love that idea. I love being able to tell stories through a sample, a little spoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I think ice cream is, uh, unlike anything else in this world, um, where there's nowhere else in the world where you can go and just try one spoonful of something. You can't go into like any restaurant and say, can right. I have this spoonful of that bone marrow dish? I'm not sure if I'm going to order it. I probably just want the salted <laughs> caramel dish. Right. Um, and, uh, but you can do that in ice cream. And so it's so freeing, uh, from a cooking perspective, from a service perspective to be able to take people on that journey. Right. And then let them commit. Yeah. Yeah. And they can choose vanilla, like, and we right. have like, the best vanilla in the world too, which is awesome. Sure you know, like, great. so people can, wherever you want to take it, you can go. When you're not making ice cream and you go home after this day, like, you know, just putting a lot of steps on the pedometer in the 10,000, 10,000 square foot kitchen, yeah. what do you make for yourself? Oh, it's funny. So I'm getting married this this fall Mazel. so my fiance she works at bob's red mill do you nice know? of yeah. course so she um, just talking about bob's red mill earlier we're constantly we're... competing to fi- figure out who's <laughs> better at cooking um she claims she's better okay. which i might agree here and there depends on what we're making and how much patience it requires is there a lot of bob's red mill in the pantry yeah, yeah. so we've got like a lot of grains i bet um and taff yeah. Yeah. You name it. <laughs> We've got every grain Amaranth in the world. everywhere. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah, I think we're just constantly. So you're like nothing com- in the house to cook like, kind of a dinner would be what? I would say like uh, 
wheat berries and a chicken leg or something like that. Mm. You know, like roast it together. Nice. A little bit of, I don't know. Wheat berries and a chicken leg. Yeah. I love it. Is Have you ever weird? put, gr- a, no, it sounds really good. Like, that's the kind of thing I would make too. Yeah. Do you put, and do you expect the same thing from your like home cooked meals as you do from one of your pints? Like, were you like, oh, it can't just be <laughs> wheat berries and a chicken leg. Like, but you know, we need pomegranate molasses and some walnuts and... Oh, or are you um, just satisfied to have like, that's fine. I'm good. <laughs> that's a great question. I, I don't put much effort behind home cooking, um, which is really embarrassing. Although I did feel better. I felt better. I was talking to one of my friends. It's like, I'm not going to say his name. I'm embarrassed now. But he was like, oh, <laughs> I only eat uh, well this little the tasty little uh, microwaved goods from Trader Joe's. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, that's all. That's my life. Amazing. Okay, cool. I feel a lot better now. <laughs> He's like one of the best but I have in the a country. similar like after a day of tasting so many different things and eating like you, it it is nice to just simplify. You know, yeah. I guess people in like high fashion maybe look forward to just like putting on pajamas. I hope so. And like that's, that's how their I feel. happy clothes. Sh- yeah. I mean, I eat dinner standing up at the kitchen counter like most of the night. So yeah. I relate. No, no shame. That's fair. Um, yeah. Okay. I don't know. It's kind of an unfair question, but I think people are probably curious about this. If you were just at the, you know, the Piggly Wiggly or the Ralphs or whatever, um, and you're either, either those, are those oh, East they're Coast? just um, uh, supermarket chains oh, in LA. Okay. You I can go Ralph's. to Ralphs in LA. Ralph's. Okay. okay, so you're in, you're at Ralphs and you're in the frozen food section. Yeah, you're standing in front of that ice cream section. Mm-hmm. What's your What's your one? Go to. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is a hard question. I know. This is what faces the ordinary people every day. My favorite ice cream growing up was, it's definitely the, uh, I would say, Haagen-Dazs Dolce de Leche. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever get that. Totally. It's like. It was groundbreaking flavor when that came out. Yeah. It really changed, like, ice cream. Yeah. Um, I like to think our sea salt with caramel ribbons is very similar to that. Obviously, we pushed a More little nuanced. harder yep. on the the burn level and the caramel and totally. the salt levels. Um, but that was, a, yeah, that was one of, uh, by far, my favorite growing up. Um, Good answer. I'd say I love cookies and cream. Yeah. I love, like, chocolate chip cookie dough. That's where you get the ch- the really cheap cookies and cream. And yeah. that's, like, game on. We've Something never, to that. There's a couple flavors like that that we've never actually done um, because I, there's, like, no competing. It's, like, too really... iconic or too nostalgic. Yeah, yeah. Like you Would can't... cookies and cream be one? What's one that it has that power that you haven't done? We've done, like, flips on cookies and cream. Like, we're mm-hmm. doing, like, we do, like, a hazelnut milk-based um, chocolate ice cream with, you know, hand or homemade Oreos. Yeah. So similar. That's like but Nutella like... and Oreos yeah. coming together. Yeah, but not cookies and cream. Right. Never. You know, we make a cookie dough, but I... We spike it with a ton of like brewer's malt and um, fudge, you know. As so it's you like, should. Yeah, so it's like <laughs> it's like similar, but uh, completely like uh, my own spin on it. Awesome. So yeah, I think the basic flavors I would never, I couldn't touch. Like there's too much, too like, much there. You can't compete with like walking on the beach and eating a really you know cheap cookies and cream, right? Um, and that that feeling when you're eight. Uh, Toasted almond was my oh yum love a toasted almond yeah uh, yeah <laughs> um, I could do this all day we have ice cream melting uh, okay. such we'll a pleasure and like I can't I just can't wait to see um, what's next with you guys thank you so thanks, thanks for, for coming in yeah. yeah all right Rodney Scott welcome to uh, welcome to Bon Appetit thank um, you glad last to be here. time last time I saw you we were down in Charleston where you hosted me 
and yeah. we uh, we did that wonderful episode of Whole Hog Barbecue down at your shop for yeah. uh, for It's Alive. Fantastic, and uh, thanks for joining us. What uh, what brings you up to the Big Apple? The Big Apple Block Party. Oh, uh, well, look at that! Yeah, on Madison Avenue. We come just about every year to do that event with Danny Meyer. Oh, very good. Yeah. Cooking up some uh, some whole hog. No whole hog. No whole hog. We're gonna do ribs, uh, St. Louis style ribs with coleslaw. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, great, great. And what? That's it. Uh, that's this whole weekend, or that's this entire weekend, Saturday and Sunday from eleven to six. Beautiful. Um, cool. Well, welcome. Yeah, we just wanted. I wanted to ask you. You know, uh, seems like you've come a long way in in the uh, in the barbecue journey. You know, so you started down in Hemingway, correct? Hemingway, yes. And that's Hemingway, what we're South yes. Carolina. And that's where you kind of cut your teeth and got into to to roasting whole hogs. Definitely, yeah. How long were you there? I was in Hemingway all my life up until about 2016. Oh wow! And uh, decided to take the jump to Charleston and open up down there. Open up shop. Yeah. Well, that's been going pretty well. It was a. Uh, a hell of a shop you set up. Yeah, it's been huge. Yeah. So, yeah, but, but let me just try to paint the picture real quick. So, you know, you got your the storefront. If, if For anyone who hasn't seen the video where, where Rodney showed me his uh, his whole operation. So you got your, you know, your, your, your storefront, the restaurant, and, the, you know, in the front of the house, just like, you know, casual. Yeah. And then in the back, you know, I, I'll never forget. It's just like it's kind of burned into my mind. It's like this <laughs> dark, hazy, smoke-filled room with this inferno burning in the background. And then there's like these big steel boxes that are, oh, yeah. you can, you know, the, the tops rise with these, you know, heavy-duty bike chains. And it was a pretty impressive operation. Thank you. Yeah. So it was. So you, right off the bat, you know, let's talk fuel. Um, so you, you're roasting these whole hogs, and I know you do some chickens and stuff like that. Um, you use wood, correct? Yes, we do all wood. All wood. Yes. And how, wh- why? Well, that's that's what I grew up doing. You yeah. know, we all we used was wood. It was cheaper than going out buying charcoal. So, and it tastes better when we did it with the wood. Right. And we just stuck with the wood. We went cut it ourselves, kept it piled up on the yard every week. Plus, we live out in the rural areas where trees are everywhere. Right. Yeah. It's so, it's, it's a resource yeah. uh, that's there. Why not? Yeah. It's use like it? a, a local resource you could just go just about grab anywhere. Right. And uh, what kind of woods do you guys like using? I like using oak and hickory. Oak and hickory. Oh, okay. Yeah. And what's so that? Just gives off a nice flavor. Nice flavor. Uh, the the hickory gives a, a nice flavor to it. The oak as well. And I like both mixed together. Nice. And they're both but hardwoods. But all hardwoods. So yes. you want to burn hardwoods. You definitely want to burn hardwoods. Like you wouldn't want to burn what say pine. Right. You burn pine, you're gonna get a nasty bitter flavor. Just like me, yeah, because it's got so much like that uh, that resin in it. Yeah. It's just like you go touch a pine tree; it has you get that sap. It's, it sticks to yeah, your finger. You don't want that. You don't want that in your smoke, which no. is just gonna stick to your food essentially, Ooh, right? Nasty. No good. Nasty. Cool. All right, so that's the wood, and then your rigs. You know, I we're back in that room. You know, it's dark, but there's a lot of open windows, so yeah. you know, you see customers walking by. They're saying hi. Yeah. Um, so you know, there's fresh air, but it's also like this. Just gotta watch the video because it was it's a it's quite the spectacle. They, um, they gotta check out the video. And then you got these these big boxes. Well, they they look like they're pretty custom custom made rigs there. Yeah, they're all custom made. Um, we just sat with architect and welder, and we put our heads together and say, what's the most efficient way to cook hogs? with these metal boxes where we put the lids and that's what a bicycle chain idea came in to put them on counterweights to where we lift the lids and they stay up. Right. Well, that's smart. So yeah. You don't have to go holding that big heavy no, lid. Huh? You can't hold it. Because what, it's all steel? It's all, it's all steel. Yeah. And it vents out through the roof so the smoke goes straight out and then when you open it it's like a makeshift hood until you're finished loading a pit or unloading it. Right. And so, and then the heat source, so it's like 
you got this box and then underneath it you have is like your coal chamber right yeah. they're not in direct contact of the coals they're they're not in direct contact but there's a, there's a wide open gap it's not an offset design gotcha the, that's why we use just the hot coals off the wood and not the wood itself so that we have the the heat and a little bit of flavor that's left in the wood going directly into our meat. Gotcha. Right. So, like I said, there's that, like, inferno, as I yeah. described it. And that was, like, your burn barrel chamber. Yeah. And what, so you were, were burning down the wood there. How come, why don't you want to just go throwing logs under the pig? If you throw the log in, you're going to get that real bitter smoke burning off of, up, off the log itself. It'll look bluish, right. kind of hard. And then once it burns down the coals, it's more subtle. It's a cleaner smoke. It's like more of a white color to it. Gotcha. It, right. So you get a better flavor. Yeah. A little bit uh, more of a less aggressive cook too. Yeah. Because what well, barbecue at the end of the day, we're, this is a this is a low and slow. Low and right? slow. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's, that's the process we're going at. And uh, I mean, it's not. In show. I was only there for a day with you guys. You know, did two <laughs> days or something. And um, you know, it was, it's hard work, man. And uh, you know, be I was back in that room with you guys, and you know, in the front of the house. And uh, you know, I just wanted to ask you. You know, once I left, you know, my little you know weekend warrior came down and, <laughs> and barbecued with you. You know, what's kind of like a a, a day, in, you know, a week in the life of Rodney and the crew? Because it's not just you. I mean, I can, no. you can't be doing this all by yourself. Got a great staff. Um, yeah. I got other pitmasters in there that stand by me, and they know it's hot. They know it's intense. But they love it as well, and, and they stick in there. Yeah. So the day in the life is you start around 4.35 a.m. you got to be out there with your fire burning, getting the hogs ready for the day, you know, pulling out all the sides, getting the ovens going for the sides. It, it's, it's, it's an intense day. Right. You know, just doing, getting the meats itself ready, that's a lot of work versus just going into the kitchen and starting with the collards and the mac and cheese and the cornbread. Right. We'll get to those. Oh, uh, man. All that <laughs> stuff has to kick in as well. Sure. So, yes, I mean, you guys, what's some, is someone there pretty much like all the time? Pretty much all the time. And, you, you know, know. So you guys are open. You're cranking out barbecue seven days a week, it sounds seven like. Seven days a week. Well, not too bad. Hey, good good for the people of Charleston. People get hungry seven days a week, That's so right. why not cook seven days a week? Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, you were saying you um, – you know, you got your whole hogs, and that's what we did down there. Uh, I got to see you had some chickens on there too. What are, I mean, what other some some other stuff that you fool well, around man, with, with we, the barbecue? Uh, of course, the ribs, and everybody knows about oh, the, yeah, ribs. the ribs. But the one thing that we were surprised with is our steak sandwich. Oh, that's uh, right. We we do steak sandwich. We marinate the ribeye loin and and rub it, smoke it, you know, chill it down, slice it, and finish it on the flat top with onions, lettuce, Ooh. tomato mayo and cheese that sounds terrible man that sandwich is amazing <laughs> that sounds real good it's like a southern cheese steak. now i like that you said you you so you smoke them whole yes. like a whole ribeye smoke the whole the ribeye. ribeye and then you slice them and then what just flip, flash them up on the on the flat top flash them on the flat top and, oh yeah that sounds perfect it's amazing so you get a nice little caramelization on there yes. everything's nice and smoky and tender it is so good well i'm starving <laughs> it's so good that sounds good um and yeah so all right so we got pork you see, I saw some chickens that you did on there. Yes, we do chickens. You ever get a get a little wild there? Throw like a goat on there or something? No, or? we hadn't we hadn't done a goat in there yet. But I have done I have done lamb. Okay, how did that come out? And it, great. Yeah, it, great man. We did it several different ways. You know, we did it with uh, with herbs and, and olive oil, and also we did it with just natural uh, pork fat on the top while it was smoking. Oh wow. Um, it, it was great. Yeah, it couldn't have been too bad, huh? Yeah, we played around with a little brisket, but you know, I it's wasn't satisfied with that. Yeah, yeah that's I left that alone. 
Well, you got, you know, there's always room to, uh, always room to learn, right? Is there any, uh, thing that you're excited that you, uh, under this, uh, you know, top secret, uh, things you want to share in the works there? People, well, uh, I wouldn't say top secret, but uh, I'll definitely say that, uh, we do plan to expand, uh, the menu a little bit more. Well, we did. We added turkey since you've been there. Oh, um, turkey. Yeah. yeah we, turkey. We've added smoked turkey. We've added some wings. Awesome. Um, we've added a salad for those that you know don't want to eat too heavy mm -hmm. so we're, we're we made some advancements and uh we also announced that we're gonna open up in uh, birmingham alabama oh cool yeah spread the love i'm sure they'll love you uh i, I heard you say wings and some of the best wings i ever had were like smoked were smoked wings yeah. yes and you can't just, beat it it's unbelievable you and they beat it. i had duck wings that were smoked and they were you know so they were a little bigger a little meatier yeah but, uh you are doing chicken wings, huh? Chicken wings, yeah. You said you do turkey. You guys doing breast or whole we're doing, bird? We're doing breasts. Maybe get some yeah. turkey wings in there, smoked turkey wings. Huh? Don't, don't push my envelope. <laughs> you know I will. That sounds good. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, so we were talking before. You mentioned, you know, uh, so, you know, it, it takes a whole team. And, uh, you know, you got the pig, you got your chickens, you got your rib, all, you know, all the stuff in prep. And then you mentioned, you know, some of the sides. Yeah. What are some of the sides you can get down at that? That fine establishment. Some of the sides that we have is uh, the mac and cheese, collard greens. We have cornbread. All right. We have fresh cut fries, hush puppies. We have uh, banana pudding for dessert. All right. We even have pork pork skins in the bag if you want to snack on them or add them to your little meal while you're there. Oh, cool. Yeah. So those those basic sides for right now now are those sides i mean I, a lot of them are kind of classic barbecue sides you know when you were back in in hemingway and you know growing up uh are some of those sides kind of nostalgic for you you know it's oh like, yeah the yeah. baked the baked beans is the very one that's real nostalgic because my mom used to cook the beans every wednesday night mm. with some rice just the beans and the rice all right and a big that, old pot of them or dude it that was looking that was it, huh? That was it. That was my <laughs> night, you know? And and if you put meat in it or didn't, it was still a great meal. Yeah. yeah, those beans will fill you up. Yeah, good rice and beans. You can't really you can't beat you it. You can't really beat that. Can't beat it. So um, so the size, yeah, so all of those, you know, is any of those tied to, other than the beans, you know, is that anything just tied to that region or is it kind of like just more of a broad kind of barbecue? Like, is that like a, a East Coast Southern kind of barbecue sides or is that just broad well kind of kind of yes and no the, the the mac and cheese recipe that we we have is a little different than what i grew up with mm. because the one we grew up with involved a lot of work you know just adding milk and cheeses and all that but the one that we have now is a lot more simpler but okay. it still is tasty yeah a little less is more sometimes. yeah less is more and yeah. you know when you're feeding the masses you know you can't put everything in it all the time right you know, from a business standpoint. Yeah, right. But it's, it's still great. It's still one of my favorites. Yeah. And everything else is pretty much how I grew up with a touch of abroad. Right. Like, I never like collards, but I serve them. Right. <laughs> right. right. People do, though. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the collards are unique, mm -hmm. a little different than what my mom did, but it, they smell great. I did taste them twice. <laughs> Gotta admit. So there's some childhood trauma. So yeah, there's right. a little bit of trauma yeah. in there, you know. <laughs> Um, the banana pudding is just the way I grew up. The uh, the hush puppies are pretty much what I like, the flavor that I like. Right. Uh, the baked beans, again, home. Right. Just like home. So everything is, is kind of like classic with me growing up with a touch of evolution, if you will. Yeah. 
You know. So what you got cooking, you got into cooking when you were, I'm assuming, younger. Way younger. Right. Yeah. So what, um, was your family into it? My family was into, uh, they had a, a variety store and barbecue was cooked on the side to sell sandwiches. And Hemingway, small town? Small town okay. Hemingway, town of about 400 people. Okay, cool. And, uh, you know, we did it on Thursdays only and it got so popular, it just elevated into three, four days a week. Oh, so it was just like a little side project of yeah. the main variety store. Yeah. You know how you stop at a gas station and you find a hot dog. Right. Someone's cool. smoking yeah. chicken in the back or something, right? Yeah. We, it, you stopped by our place and we had a barbecue sandwich. Cool. And it just evolved. And it just, oh, so you started on one day and then it just became more popular yeah. and popular before you know it. There's a line. There, and, and demand came and, and we just... Did it cooking. overtake the variety store? It took it all the way out. Oh, wow. No more <laughs> variety. It just barbecue. Yeah, it's just barbecue now, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that's nothing wrong with that. So, yeah, so you were there for a while, and then you said around, what, 2000, what would you say, 2016? 2016. Is when you made the jump. I made the jump. So you were out in Hemingway the whole time. Was I'm assuming your rig, your setup was much different than those those custom boxes that uh, that you got now. Hemingway was totally different. Okay. Hemingway was uh, cinder block pits. Yeah, I've never been. I, yeah. I wish it would have been cool to check out. Um so paint, paint us the picture. It's uh well we had a fire, so we rebuilt and when we in upon rebuilding we we put the cinder block pits back in, mm -hmm. and it's in like this Quonset hut design, uh, steel master building type design, with uh, brick pits on one side double, mm -hmm. so you had two four six eight ten pits that doubled on one side that held two hogs apiece. Oh wow. And then for days that we would cook odd numbers of hogs, we had single pits on the other side. Oh, cool. So, oh, so you guys were cranking. Oh, yeah. You know, it, we had a total of uh, 20 pits put into that building. Is there parts of it you miss? N no. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's just better now for Rodney. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good that I don't have to go outside to get hot coals. Right. In Hemingway, we had to put the barrel outside. Oh, okay. And in Charleston, you just walk to the back of the room. It's right there. Yeah, it's right there. A lot more convenient. Oh, for sure. And uh, so, yeah, so, I mean, I don't know if this is a trade secret, but, like, when you have those hogs, what kind of, say, you know, because there's a lid, so you're essentially, it's smoking, it's, so barbecue is, correct me if I'm wrong, other than, you know, seasoning and stuff like that, it's basically lightly smoking and baking. Yes. With a natural wood fire. Exactly. Or coals. Exactly. From a fire. Exactly. So that's, that's it. Yeah. So, uh. Low and slow. What's the, I mean, if it's something I'm sure, I don't know if this is a secret, uh, feel free to say, Brad, no way. But um, what kind of temperature do you like to maintain inside, like an ambient temperature of the of the oven or the, the barbecue pit? I like to sit at a temperature between 220, no hotter than 250. Just kind of keep it going, coasting right there. Because the way that we cook it with the hog being directly over the hot coals, mm. if it drips and, and there's a flare up, it can burn real fast. Right. So we keep it low and slow to where you keep that slow drip where the grease is just like a tss. Yep. Tss. Just a little hiss. If it's raining, if it sounds like it's like tss, 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 too much, you're way too hot and you, you stand a chance of a flare up. And all that tss, tss is the fat, right? Dripping. Yeah, that's the which fat. Which essentially dripping. is, if you're losing that, it's just going to dry out the pig. It's going to dry it out. Yeah. And, and it, it, it drips into that and it steams the flavor right back up. All right. So you got that wood and that fat just steaming right back up into the pig. Little kind of like a little self-steaming basting yeah. in a way. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I'm assuming you were doing this as well down in Hemingway, but I'll never forget the mop. 
Yeah. All right. So we had the we had the the hog, you know, splayed out on this barbecue pit, and and you, we had it wrapped in in wire or yeah. like fencing so that we could so you could flip it because as it gets tender, you know, then ju- the joints start loosening up. I'm assuming. Yeah. You know, you learn that the hard way. Back oh, in the you day. do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we had that mop with you know with your with your uh, signature spice. Uh, mopping liquid yeah. and I, i'll never forget this and we were mopping it and you know it was a little you know, dab dab dip dab dab yeah. dip. and uh it, you know because we still have the hot coals underneath and as some of that is dripping down yeah all that steam is coming up and coming it's right you know there's up. certainly some vinegar in it i'm you know if i remember correctly there's some cayenne in there yes and i just the whole time it was like it smelled great i was excited but i was going blind I, is that something that you you know it was just burning my eyes for hours was that something that you just guys you guys just get callous to uh, yeah you get used to it after about 30 years you'll be fine you start liking the burn yeah, yeah. you'll be like all right a little stinging going on it'll yeah. be all right that's just you know, don't touch good. your eyes right just don't touch them ever never all right great well uh rodney i gotta say it was a pleasure having you in thanks for having pleasure me. chatting with you again Always. Uh, i'm still I'll have to get back down to Charleston because um, I had a hell of a time down there and uh, missing, like I said, missing that barbecue, missing that hospitality. Uh, hope you uh, can enjoy our town as much as we enjoyed yours. And uh, thanks for sharing your barbecue world. Thank you. All right. The Bon Appetit Foodcast is produced by Carrie Polis and Christina Che and produced and edited by Emma Wurtzman. Our theme music is by Nathaniel Wurtzman. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us about this or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.